0: Good to see you all here this morning. What a change in the weather, huh? But well, we, are, we are well able to handle this. There's a story, I, and if you've been here for a long time, you will remember this story because it was exactly 11 years ago I told you this story. But it's such a good story and it fits in so well for today that I wanted to tell it to you again. There was a young man who was dating this, this young gal, and he was bringing her home. After their their dinner date, and he was walking her to the door, and he was hopeful that tonight he was going to get his first good night kiss. And so he walked her up to the door, and uh, he's just kind of lingering there a little bit, and he put his hand on the wall, and he's kind of leaning over, and she's looking up at him, and he goes, "How about a how a good night kiss?" And she goes, "Oh," I says, ah, "I don't know," I says, "Somebody might see us." He says, "No one's going to see us. Everyone in the house is asleep." There's no one out in the the street here. No, I'm I, no, I'm just not ready to for that just yet. And well, he kept trying. He kept every which way. You know, just just one, just a goodnight kiss, and and I'll be on my way. And and uh, after a while, the porch light suddenly came on. The door opened up, and on the other side of the door was her sister. Dressed in her pajamas, hair all messed up from sleeping. And she came over. And she said, Dad set me down. He says, either give him a goodnight kiss, or I'll give him a goodnight kiss. Or Dad said, he'll come down and give him a goodnight kiss. But he says, whatever you do, please take your hand off the intercom. <laughs> now, if you can picture yourself being in that situation, you can kind of think that's, in a, that's a, oh my moment. <laughs> what has happened? We're going to talk to you about some oh my moments. Some things that just kind of all of a sudden you realize the trouble you're in. And what do you do about that? So we're going to take a look at part of the scripture you're very familiar with in 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings the sixth chapter. We've been spending some time looking at the things that we can put in our life, that God has given us in our life, that we need to focus on. Because we can add to them. We can, and our life will become com- complete when we focus on bringing these things in. The first thing we looked at was joy. The joy of the Lord. How we can bring that joy into our life. And there's many things that we do that kind of keep the joy of the Lord from, from working in our life. From going, going on the way that it should. And so we looked at that. We've been now on the peace of God. And there are some things you can do to help the peace of God. That the joy of the Lord, the purpose of the joy of the Lord is to give you strength. The purpose of the peace of God is to help you make decisions and to stabilize your life. You can pray to God all you want to for joy. You can pray to God all you want to for stabilization in your life. God's going to say, hey, it's already here for you. Now do the things that I told you in the Word to multiply that to yourself. John chapter 16 verse 33 said... These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And, of course, a very familiar verse of Scripture in Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true... Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. See, it's, it's up to us whether that peace stays with us or not. We've got to do the things that He is instructed us, told us to do. John chapter 14 said, let not your heart be troubled. He then came back and he repeated this. He says, he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It's up to us. It's not up to God. It's up to us. We have to do the things that are necessary for that. Isaiah 26 verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And this is the thing we got to do. We've got to keep our mind state on him. Philippians told us those things to do, what kind of things to think on. We've got to keep our mind state on him. We keep our mind state on him. We build up our trust level. Remember, when we looked at some of the temptations. The disciples come to Jesus. Don't you care? Martha comes to Jesus. Don't you care? The enemy's trying to shake your trust level. To get your trust level shaken, he can get the peace of God out. We've got to refuse to be anxious. We've got to stay thankful. We've got to be humble. We've got to make faith-filled prayers to God about the things that you need. These things will keep you in the peace of God. Now, last week, we saw that the peace of God had led pillars of the church. People, not just casual Christians, not just people who have been born again for a little while, but pillars. Ones that the church rested on, leaned upon, depended on, that they had developed a pattern of behavior because of the peace of God. And when others came because of fear, they changed that pattern. We've got to make sure that we don't do these kind of things. we got to stay with this. That was last week. This week we're over in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan. Let every man take a beam from there. Let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. Then one said, please, consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. This word here for alas, if you go over to the New Century Version, it translates it this way. As one man was cutting down a tree, the head of his axe fell into the water and he <clears throat> he yelled, Oh, my master, I borrowed that axe. Oh, my master, I borrowed that axe. Now, some of us will say, oh, my, about a lot of things and sometimes, oh, my, is followed by some things that we can repeat and sometimes some things that we prefer not to repeat. But usually when something happens, we... We just kind of, oh my, what's what's going on here? Now, y'all you, you know me pretty well. I'm not real emotional. That's just the way that I am. And you know, if you want something emotional. My wife will more than make up for what I lack in that area. She's very emotional and, and thanks. One time when I was a youth pastor, and um, I was driving a car at the time. It was a brand new Ford Tempo. And uh, we were coming on this one busy road. There's this uh, up where I was uh, a youth pastor. There was a very busy road, and it was one lane each way. And on this particular Sunday, we had a huge snowstorm. A lot of people did not come to church. It was a big snowstorm, but some people did. And I was one of those who was there. And being as I was the youth leader, some of the youth made it in to church but didn't have a ride to get home. I'm not sure if uh, we were staying after church to do some things. However it was, uh, I ended up with a car full of people to take home. And so I was taking them home in this snowstorm. And so we were driving along this road, and this particular road is susceptible to w- high winds. And so the winds were coming over and taking all of this snow and blowing it back onto the road. And so the, the road had all this extra snow. After the plows had gone through, the plows went through. We had walls of snow on, the, on both sides. So you have no shoulder. And just enough room on the road for one car to go this way and one car to come this way. And on this particular time, uh, we were driving on by and there was a car coming the other direction. I was going this direction and they hit a patch of that snow and it splashed. A lot of it splashed and it covered my entire front windshield to the extent that nothing could be seen. I don't mean it was difficult to see. I mean, there was nothing to see but snow. It landed on there, and it just totally covered it. Couldn't see a thing. And my response to this was, and I know this because people made note of it in the car, and they kind of picked on me for a long time for this response. My response was, oh, my. I mean, that was it. That was it. So I, I'm driving now on a road that's not straight. It winds and turns. Other cars are coming. I can't see, and there's no place, there's no room for error. You have nothing on this side, and cars on this side. And I just, oh my. And I turned my windshield wipers on and cleaned off the car, and we were still going. That was my response. Now, you, <clears throat> that's, I can watch a Philadelphia Eagles game, and babies can sleep. Just so you understand that. If I'm going to get loud, I actually have to work it up. Because I could just sit there and watch the game and not say a word. I'm told You know, here those pre- preachers come in and say, you ought to get excited in church because you get excited at football games. I'm like, no. <laughs> I just sit there and I just watch the game. That's, just, that's about it. But um, that was it. I just, oh my. And we put the things on and, and we go. Now, how many of you know other people? Maybe they might have a different response. Maybe something a little more emotional. These are the situations we're talking about. Things that suddenly come upon you and it stirs up your emotions. And we say these things like, oh my, master, what are we going to do? Or as the New King James put it, alas. Now, I don't know Hebrew real well. I looked up this Hebrew word and it's spelled really funny. If you translate the, transliterate it, it was uh, A-H-A-H-H. That's kind of odd, isn't it? I've never really seen a word spelled that way, except, you know, in comic strips, things, things like that. But that's how a ah, aha is how, I think how they pronounce it. Not, again, I don't know Hebrew all that well. But if you looked up that word, you can go on through the, New, the Old Testament anyway, and find some other stories that are kind of like this. One of those was Joshua. When Joshua had the victory at Jericho and they came back and said, all right, the next place is Ai and they go out to Ai and they lose and the word comes back that we lost the battle and he goes before God and you know what he says? Alas, what are we going to do? He's in despair. He had one of those oh my moments. One of those times when why is this going this way? So when you're in that situation, where does your peace go? I mean... How many of you have ever been in a place, you're at peace, things are good, all of a sudden you have an oh my moment, and the peace is, where does it go? I mean, I had it. I was doing pretty good. I had peace. I was doing just fine, and then it's gone. Where did it go? Doesn't really make any difference where it went. What matters is, it's not with you. It's gone. And we want it to come back. So how do we get In those oh my moments, how do we get the peace of God that suddenly went away to come back? Now, it's not God who went away because when you're in those oh my moments, what does God want to do? He wants to help us out. But it's our response, it's our reaction to the things that are happening that causes the peace of God to just go and to leave. We want to take a look at some of those those things. Joshua 7, 7 was where that reference was if you wanted to look that up later on. Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? <laughs> all right, verse 6 of Second Kings chapter 6. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed it in place. So he cut off a stick, threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Now we're not talking about an iron ship flowing. We're talking about an axe head. There's no air in the axe head. There's no reason at all for that axe head to float. Certainly not because you threw a stick in there. But this is what he heard. He heard from God that he a stick in there and he threw a stick in there and the axe just kind of floats up. How much easier would it be to find stuff when it falls into the water if it just floated back up to the surface? Wouldn't that be a whole lot nicer? Lost your keys. They fell over the boat into the, into the water. Wouldn't it be so much easier to get them if they just floated right back up? I mean, can you imagine what would have happened with Marlin? In Nemo, if the things that sank to the bottom would just float back up, we would be missing an entire section of that movie. When it fell, that little mass they were trying to locate the dress on—I mean, I've never watched Nemo. Too bad. It's a good movie. Some great lines in there. My favorite line was uh, was the one by the shark. Here's Brucey. <laughs> Love that line. Love that line. Every time I hear that line, I just get a smile on my face. It's just fun. But they had this mask, and it fell all the way down to the dark trench. No light down there. And Marlon's afraid of everything. And he didn't want to go down there and get it. How much easier it would have been for him if it would have just floated up. But it didn't. Then it didn't for these guys either until he threw the stick in. But they went from a, a, an oh-my moment... When all this stuff was going on and they lost their peace because it was borrowed. It wasn't like I just lost something of mine. I don't have any money to buy one so I went out and borrowed one and now it's gone. How can I go back to these guys and say I don't have your axe head anymore. It's, it's lost. So they were getting a little nervous. That's a small thing. No, that's, that's not a big thing. That's a small thing. But it's not always the big things that get us down that knock us off. It's sometimes the small things. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 32. I want to read this to you. But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Now look at verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which he has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now, look, examine this word here, confidence. If you have confidence in a thing, basically, you are at peace. If you have confidence in a thing, you are basically at peace with this this particular Incident. And um, I heard somebody talking about things in the universe before, and kind of was a great example of this. How many of you woke up this morning concerned that the sun might go out? Anybody have that concern? That the sun might not turn on? No, we didn't have that concern. How many had the concern that the earth would stop rotating? Anybody have that concern? Wake up this morning thinking, Oh, I hope the earth does not stop rotating around, because that would really be bad. I could see where there would be some problems if the Earth stopped rotating. We don't think about that, do we? Does anybody ever think about what would happen if all of our atmosphere just left, just departed? Anybody ever thought of what would happen if Mars suddenly left its orbit and headed for Earth? We don't think about those things, do we? And yet, in the grand scheme of things, how many know that if the sun blew up, went out, or if Mars came off its its orbit and it was, was uh, aiming for us. How many know that is a bigger problem than anything you face this week? That's far bigger. But we don't, we don't even concern ourselves with it. Why? Because I have total confidence that the sun's going to keep on burning. Despite what people might want you to think that your SUVs are doing to uh, the whole global warming thing and somehow they're going to put out the sun. I have no idea how they're going to do that. But we get concerned. Some people get concerned. But we're not. We're just, oh, this is good. No, I'm not really concerned about gravity. Not really concerned about the atmosphere or anything, because we're confident. We're at peace. I'm totally at peace with that. And if somebody wants to come over and get me uh, riled up about it, I don't. How how many how many movies do they make about destroying the world? (laughs) You know, how many times how many movies are there just that an asteroid is going to hit the world and blow it all up? I can think of two or three already that you know just they're there. Or Martians. Martians are coming to Earth. Aliens from other places are going to come to Earth and wipe us out so they can settle the Earth. And how many times have we seen movies about, about that? How many times have we seen movies about the Great Flood and the uh, tsunami that's going to come and take us all out and wipe out New York City? There was some movie on there. Didn't they have a big tsunami came over and took out? I didn't see it. I didn't, I didn't really want to. But, I mean, how many times can you destroy the Earth? How many times can you do it and it would be believable? But sometimes people will watch these things and get concerned, they're not at peace anymore. The movie Jaws came out. How many were, were around when Jaws came out we were out watching movies and things like that? Yeah. Jaws came out. Very memorable movie. I had my, my sister had a, a girlfriend. Her name was Allison. And uh, Allison was the, no, I'm sorry, it was Leanne. She had a couple of girlfriends. It was, this, one was, uh, this one was Leanne. And Leanne had already seen the movie Jaws. And so they all wanted to go and take me along because, again, even young, I didn't respond to much at all. And so they, she made a bet with me. I don't know even what the bet was. I don't think there was any end result in it, but this, this was the bet. It says, I bet that throughout the movie, that at one point, at some point in the movie, you are going to react. I said, the bet's on. Now, she had already seen the movie, she knew all the parts about the movie. She knew all the times when to look to see if I was going to respond. And I was doing fine. You know, the jaws doll, the of the shark getting out there and biting people and eating people up and all that sort of stuff. And I was doing absolutely fine for the whole movie until we got to the part where it was the rowboat and the guys came up from underneath the rowboat. And you're kind of expecting the jaw, uh, the shark, to show up in the water. And he didn't. And he reaches up into the rowboat. And he pulls something out of the rowboat. Anybody remember that scene? Yeah, I closed my eyes for just a brief second. Because I was not expecting what fell out of the boat to fall out of the boat. And it did. And I just kind of closed my eyes and opened back up. and go, ah, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> that was my whole reaction to, to Jaws. That was, that was it. But I lost the bet because of that. <laughs> if you never saw the movie and didn't see that scene, you're not missing a whole lot. But that was, um, But that one movie took people who were at one time at peace with going into the ocean and now they have no confidence. I just know a shark is going to come and get me. Just know a shark is going to come. They're out there. They're all over. The shark is going to come and get me. And so people stayed out of the water. And people didn't go in and do things in the water because the shark was going to come. Because their confidence in it was gone. Confidence in being safe in the water. It was gone. See things like this—they come in, they shake our confidence. We're no longer at peace. So we're out there in the water, we're enjoying the, trying to enjoy the waves and the things there. And what happens? Thought comes in, sharks are coming. Sharks coming. We talked about this before. How many have seen that uh, show, River Monsters? I don't know if, if, if never seen. Anybody never seen River Monsters? Yeah. If Jaws got you, don't do not watch this show. Do not watch this show. If Jaws made you afraid to go in, do not put it on, get rid of it, because Jaws was fake. River monsters is not. And uh I don't know, I, that freshwater stuff is <laughs> a lot more scary than some of the things going on this up. But your confidence goes away. And when your confidence goes away, you're no longer at peace. And he starts to mess with you. No, we need to have our confidence. Don't it says right there. Don't cast away your confidence. In other words, it's something that I have and I throw it away. Don't throw it away. It's there. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. We're equating this to the peace of God. If you keep that peace of God in you, if you keep that confidence in you, it has great reward. You can stay silent where other people are fleeing. Other people are going. Other people are, are are not so confident. I've heard people talk about in the financial realms when the stock market crashed and, and things. People who knew what they were doing, went around. They found some deals because people were selling, and they they bought those things, knowing they had to hang on to it for a little while, but that it was going to come back. They were confident that it was going to come back, and because they operated in that piece, they made investments and they bought things and they got uh, very wealthy off of those things. Don't throw away your confidence. It has a great reward. For you have need of endurance. And this is where we miss it as Christians in the area of peace. We let it go because we have no endurance. And he started off this passage talking about sufferings. As soon as things happen, as soon as we get into those oh my moments, I am not prepared to suffer. And I throw it away. I cast it away. When that is the very thing that is going to get you through. The peace of God does two things in your life. It helps you decide between one choice and another. And it stabilizes you. That's what the peace of God is there to do. Joy is not attributed as a stabilizing factor. It's attributed as a strength factor. Peace we have as a stabilizing factor. If you throw away the thing that is going to stabilize you, then you can be tossed to and fro by the enemy. He can manipulate you. He can do some things to you that you don't want to have to have happen. Don't cast this away. Hang on to it. It's imperative that you do. So how do you increase your endurance? How do you get your endurance? To become more. I've got some. How do I get more endurance? Now, we can always people always equate this to exercise. You know, if you want to walk you can walk a half mile. How do you get yourself to the place you can walk two miles? If you can walk for 15 minutes, how do you get yourself to the place that you can walk for 45 minutes? If you like to swim and you can swim for one lap, how do you get yourself so that you can swim for 10 laps? How do you get yourself where you can swim for 20 laps? How do you do it? By doing it, right? You got to swim that one lap. You got to swim that two laps. You got to swim three laps. Builds up endurance. However, that does not translate over into the Christian walk. Now, this is where a lot of our thinking is, because I think endurance comes by me going through hard times and that's false it's not biblical it doesn't come from the Bible it's not a right think- way of thinking just because you go through something doesn't mean it did you any good anybody here ever lifted any weights been through a weight program if you go through the, the weights if you have an instructor who's worth their salt and you're lifting the weight most of the time you're lifting the weight you are doing it wrong most every time, if you are new at lifting weights, you're using the machines, most of the time, free weights or machines, doesn't matter which one, whatever one you pick, most of the time you go in there, you sit down, you are doing it wrong. You ought just tell yourself this, I'm doing this wrong. Because you are. Because your body cheats. It loves to cheat. And you let it. And, you, and you're sitting there and you're doing the exercise and getting nothing out of it. And you mark it down on your chart. I did five reps with this thing. Now I did seven. I did ten. I did, I'm doing 20 reps with this. I used to start off with five. Now I'm doing 20. And the guy looking this says, it's done you no good at all. Why? Because you didn't do it right. Form is everything. In, the, in I don't lift weights anymore. I used to a long time ago. don't mess with it anymore. But um, I know from being through it, people will sit there and they'll say, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Just because you're doing it doesn't mean you're doing it right. You've got to do it in the right way. Just because you are going through a hard time in the Christian walk doesn't mean you're doing it right or that it's going to do you any good. Doesn't mean it's going to help you. How do you go through it? What do we have to do to go through this the correct way? How do you increase your endurance? Not just go through more, but go through with faith. You have to go through whatever hard time you're going through with faith. If you leave faith behind and go through it, it did you no good. You can go through all the hard times you want. If you go through it wrong, it's not going to help you. You didn't accomplish anything. You didn't make yourself better. You've got to go through with faith. The, the, um, the disciples went through a hard time on the boat when the storm came, didn't they? How many of would realize that's a hard time? It did them no good. No good at all. Because they didn't go through with faith. They let that go. You've got to go through with faith. Remember what Jesus said to them? Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Just because you went through a hard time doesn't mean it did you any good. You've got to go through with faith. Where's your faith at? You let it go. I'll put this in your outline for you. Most Christians prefer exiting to enduring. Most Christians prefer exiting to enduring. I don't want to endure the thing. I just want to get out of it. You know, this is hard. This is tough. I'm just going to get out of this. I'm just going to leave this. Think of it this way. How many of you ever, think back to some friends that you had, and in that friendship, turmoil came in. How many of you were tempted, you know what, I don't need this. See ya. Just let them go. Because it's easier to exit than it is to endure. Now we got to get some endurance. He told us there in Hebrews. For you have need. Of endurance. It's a need that you have. We don't always realize that. But it's a need. I have got to endure some things. I've got to take some tribulation. I've got to take some persecution. I've got to take some of this stuff. It's got, I, I, I've got to be in it. And not just endure it. No, I can't just endure. I gotta stay in faith. I gotta keep my confession going. I gotta keep the word going. And I gotta keep my mind right. I gotta keep my thinking right. I gotta stay in faith with this thing. If I stay in faith and endure this thing, it will produce in me endurance. But if I let go of faith, I got no endurance. I just went through a thing. I just went through something. Now we gotta make sure that we go right. Hebrews three and verse fourteen. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Don't let that confidence go. Don't let that peace go. Hang on to it to the end. So here's a. we went over a little thing. Let's take a look at a big thing. Because sometimes little things come in our life, but sometimes, too, big things come in. Verse 8 of Second Kings 6. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servant, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord. O king, but Elisha, the prophet, who was in Israel, tells the king, the of Israel, the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. How many of y'all know what he means by get him? And it was told, saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Oh, my. <laughs> That's the same word there. Now, you can really relate to this, oh, my, can't you? Maybe not so much the accent, but this one, you've got a whole army that is surrounding the city that you're in. It's translated here, alas, my master, what shall we do? Or In other words, oh, my. What are we going to do now? Oh, my. Verse 16. So he answered. What's the the question? What shall we do? What shall we do? Here's the answer. Do not fear. (laughs) What shall we do? What's the answer? Do not fear. Is he telling them something to do? He's telling them something not to do. Do not. Not fear. Why? Because that's what we all do. When we get into an oh my situation, it is very easy for us to be afraid. To become fearful. Oh no. I might die. Oh no. I might lose my job. Oh no. What happens if this... What happens if I lose this? What happens if... Yeah. Oh my. Oh, my. Fear comes in. He says, do not fear. Now, he gives a reason for it. He still hasn't told him anything to do yet, has he? See, most of us want something to do. All he says is what not to do. Look what he says. For those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Do not fear. Why? Because we got more on our side than they have on their side. He just says, do not fear. Go on to verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Now, why does he pray that prayer? More than likely, we're making this prayer because some things are being said. What do you mean there's more with us than there? Have you seen how many people are out there? we got you, we got me. And they have... Chariots, horses, all kinds of people. You're saying, we are more than... Can you see this conversation going on? Because something has to produce that answer. Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Hmm. So he probably had a response like we did. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. There's no way there's more with us than there are with them. So he says, Lord, open up his eyes, let him see. And what did the Lord do? He Opened his eyes up. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha. It seems like that is blowing cold air and not hot air. Maybe we ought to... It did sound like something just kicked on as a motor. so. But I'm not sure why it's blowing around like that. So maybe we had to reset it or something. But uh, no reason for it to be running. It's blowing cold air. We want hot air. <laughs> we'll take care of that and get that going. But then his eyes are open. Now he can see. Now he can have confidence. Does it ever say that Elisha saw? Does he pray that Elisha's eyes would be opened to see? Doesn't pray that either. All he says is open up his eyes. Because Elisha doesn't need to see. We've got to be more like Elisha, not like the servant. A lot of times if I can see the reason for having the confidence, if I can see the reason for being at peace, I'll be at peace. No, 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 no. That's not what we need to be doing. You need to have the confidence. Well, how would I know that God is in that situation with me? How would I know? Simple. What does God promise you in His Word? I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Isn't that a promise in the Word? Don't you have to trust in Him? If you trust in Him, what comes into your life? Peace, which is like confidence. Confidence. you trusted him. What did the Lord say? He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So he just comes before there and says, Father God, I thank you that though I have this huge army surrounding me wanting to take me out, I thank you that you said in your word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, (laughs) therefore, you will not leave me. You will not forsake me. I have the confidence that what you said, you are doing. That's how we need to go and we can be at peace. How can you tell if you're at faith in something? Because you're at peace about it. If you're not at peace about the thing you're not in faith. If you're not experiencing joy you're not in faith. We don't always have a faith meter in our life but we do have a joy meter and we do have a peace meter. And if my joy level is low and my peace level is low guess what folks? my faith level is low. And I need to do some things to get that faith level back up. It's important that you do. Don't cast away your confidence. That's what Christians are doing. We just throw it away. You need to have some endurance. How many can see from this story that Elisha has some endurance? What? You just send an army after me? some horses and some chariots. That's all you can send? I got more than that on my side than you got on yours. (laughs) He just kind of laughs. This is no big deal. In fact, you know what? It's it's so much not a big deal. Go on to the next verse. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. So he walks on down to them. They're here for him. He walks down to them. And he makes this prayer. He doesn't say, Oh God, help me some way, somehow. He doesn't do that. He says, strike them with with blindness. So they can't see what's going on. And then he walks right on down to them. Verse 19. Now Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. Can you imagine? You're the guy they're looking for. They got the little wanted poster right there in front of him. This is the guy we want. We want Elisha. We're here for Elisha. Oh, you're not, you're not in the right place yet. Let me take you to the right place. We'll, we'll show you what you need to find. And so he leads them. They're following Elisha from Dothan all the way over to Samaria. Never realize that it's him. Can you, can you see, when you picture this story, do you see Elisha? Oh, Hope oh, this holds out just a little bit longer. Father God, just a little bit longer. Don't let him see. Well, He's totally confident. He's not throwing away his confidence. Do you think that the enemy would come against Elisha like he would come against you? You idiot. They're going to realize this is you. And now you're out here in the middle of the wilderness. There's nobody here, to, there's not even a wall in the city to protect you. They're going to realize it and they're going to kill you on the spot. You are about to be dead. Can you see those kind of words coming in? He does it to you. Why would he do it to Elisha? What's Elisha doing? Enduring? He's just enduring. No, I'm not. I don't care what you throw at me. I'm not giving in to that. I'm not giving in. Well, the rest of the story is he leads them right over into Samaria. They come into the city of Samaria. They still don't see where they're at. Come into the city of Samaria. The whole group, now they're surrounded by the army of Israel and now Elisha says alright open his eyes up open her eyes and oh how did we get here I don't understand how did we get here and so the king of Israel says well should we kill him and Elisha says no feed him send him on their way so they did and right after that the next uh, part of the chapter they all get together again to come on down to attack Israel we're grateful. But that's what they did. Got another place for you to take a look at. <clears throat> now there's another place that this is told before we get over to our other spot. Second Chronicles 32 and verse seven. "Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, or before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him, for there are more with us than with him." That's Jehoshaphat in the battle that he was facing. Or, I'm sorry, Hezekiah. The battle that he was facing. And there, there is more with us than with them. And you just got to remember, folks, you may not see them, but there's more on your side than are against you. Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 1. When was the last time you read through the book of Ezekiel? Ezekiel's a tough book. It's a tough book. I mean, this guy was asked to do some things that Just just thank God God is not asking of you the same thing he asked of Ezekiel. We're just going to look at one chapter here. Something that God asked him to do. You also, son of man, take a clay tablet and lay it before you. Portray on it a city, Jerusalem. Lay siege against it. Build a siege wall against it. And heap up a mound against it. Set camps against it also. And place battering rams against it all around. Moreover, take for yourself an iron plate. Set as an iron wall between you and the city. Set your face against it, and it shall be besieged, and you shall lay siege against it. This will be a sign to the house of Israel. Lie also on your left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it, according to the, days of the number of the days that you lie on it. You shall bear their iniquity. For I have laid on you the years of their iniquity, according to the number of the days, three hundred and ninety days, so you shall bear the iniquity of Israel. Now what that means is that for three hundred and ninety days, Ezekiel is going to lay on his left side. 390 days, he's going to lay on his left side. If you're wondering why left side, because most times when they're given directions for the the folks in this part of the world, they look east. And if you look east, north is the northern tribes, which would be to the left. South would be Judah, which would be on the right. 390 days, you're going to lay on your left side. And when you have completed them, after you finish that, completed 390 days, how many days are there in a year? So we're looking at longer than a year. You're going to lay on your left side. And when you have completed them, lie again on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. I have laid on you a day for each year. So three ninety and then forty more, four hundred and thirty days. Therefore you shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem. Your arms shall be uncovered and you shall prophesy against it. And surely I will restrain you so that you cannot turn from one side to another till you have ended the days of your siege. Also, take for yourself... Now, how many of our, how many of are questioning God? At this point, you'd be saying, God, <laughs> I have things to do. Now, people depend on me. I have a job. Whatever it might be. Also, take for yourself wheat, barley, beans, lentils, millet, and, and spelt. I don't know what all those things are, but he did. Put them in one vessel and make bread for them for yourself. During the number of days that you lie on your side, 390 days you shall eat it. And your food which you eat shall be by weight 20 shekels a day. From time to time you shall eat it. Now this is, he's doing the siege meals. This is not what you would normally eat. This is lower. You're just trying to take the food and make it stretch out over that period of time. You shall also drink water by measure. One sixth of a hen from time to time you shall drink it. So we're not, not drinking until you're not thirsty anymore. We're just getting a little bit. There's plenty of water around, but he's restricting it because we're, we're doing this as a sign. How many of you, at this point, would be questioning God? Wait a minute, come on. Why do I? For over a year, I gotta restrict how much I eat, how much I drink, lay on my left side, lay on my right side. All of a sign for these guys. Heaven, if I just tell them. <clears throat> well, verse 12, he ups it again. And you shall eat it as barley cakes and bake it using the fuel of human waste in their sight. Now, this is how they did barley cakes. Apparently, they cooked them in the ashes. So, we're not talking about above the ashes. are actually putting it in the ashes. Then the Lord said, So shall the children of Israel eat their defiled bread among the Gentiles where I, where I drive them. So, I said... This is Ezekiel. Ah, Lord God. Let me translate this for you. Oh, my... This is the same word. He's okay. God says, lay on your one side 390 days. Okay. Lay on your other side for 40 days. Okay. I'm going to restrain you. Okay. You're going to restrict how much food you eat. Okay. You're going to restrict how much you drink. Okay. Now you're going to cook that stuff using the the human waste. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I was on the same page. I was okay up until this. But this is going too far. Ah, Lord God, indeed, I have never defiled myself from my youth till now. I have never eaten what died of itself or was torn by beasts, nor has abominable flesh ever come into my mouth. Then he said to him, See, I am giving you cow dung instead of human waste, and you shall prepare your bread over it. Now, how many are happy? (laughs) Anybody here happy now? We're okay? Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, surely I will cut off the supply of bread in Jerusalem. They shall eat bread by weight and with anxiety and shall drink water by measure with dread, that they may lack bread and water and be dismayed with one another and waste away because of, their iniqu- because of their iniquity. This is a sign unto Judah, a sign unto Israel. Oh my, he says. I was okay with all this until that part there with the the waste stuff. I'm pushing it too far here. I may say... We, uh, Ezekiel has more endurance than we do, but even he hit a a limit there. Wait a minute, hold on. I'm going to stop here at this one. The guy says, I'll give you cow dung. All right, we'll go ahead and do it. And he did it. For all those days, he did it. There are little things that can happen in our life that can get us to say, oh my. There are big things that can happen in our life to get us to say, oh my. And there are things that God can ask us to do that can get us to say, Oh, my. Now, what do you do when you have that response of saying, Oh, my. I don't know about this one, God. Not so sure about this. See, when you have one of those oh, my moments, the peace of God that's in you is in the enemy's crosshairs. He's made it a target. If you lose your peace, you will become unstable and easily moved. If you lose your peace, you will become unstable and you will become easily moved. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to drain your strength by getting your joy. He wants to take your foundation out by getting you unstable. Get you to throw away your confidence. Get you to lose the peace of God that's in you. And now, what are you going to do? Well, here's some, some things we need to do to make sure that I am not easily moved. First off, I've got to maintain the peace of God that is in me. You have the peace of God. That is a meter in your life. When the peace of God leaves, you know it. You don't wonder. Because all of a sudden, you went from being in peace to in turmoil. All of a sudden, you went from being at rest to feeling like I've got to work this thing out. You got to carry this thing through. In the story we saw with Elisha, do you see anything about him working this thing out? Oh, I got more on my side than you got on your side, and my guys are bigger. Plus, they had the high position; they're on top of the wall. Do you know anything about military? You want the high spot. You want the high position. You don't want to be caught down in the low spots. You want to be up in the high spots, because they're hard to take. Gotta maintain it. As soon as you begin to feel turmoil, anxiety, fear come into your life, and the peace of God exit, your first thing you need to do is get that peace back, not deal with your situation. It's the first thing you need to do is get that peace back. How can I get the peace of God back in my life? I've got to maintain it. Gotta keep that thing there. It's important. How did you lose it? Fear, worry, anxiety? I stopped thinking on the right things. I stopped thinking on the things I was supposed to be thinking on. The peace of God is not guarding my heart anymore. It's not guarding my mind. I'm left wide open. These things can come on in. First thing I need to do is I need to get that peace back. Not deal with what's going on. I need to get the peace of God back. Maintain that peace. How do you have peace of God? We've already looked over all the scriptures. We read them all here in the beginning. You do what those things say. What does it say? If you do these things, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If I don't do those things, the peace of God won't. But if I do those things, the peace of God will. So i got to go back to that scripture. Yeah, but I already know that scripture. So are you doing it? Be anxious for Nothing. Have you let anxiety get in? Well, yeah, but you don't understand. Hmm. Go back to that verse again. Be anxious for nothing. This is your margin read except for. If it is, get a new Bible. Because that's not in there. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Now, how many times did Elisha pray to God for the situation to be taken care of? One time. One time. He prayed, first off, he said, Father, open his eyes, but that's not taking care of the situation. That's just letting him see what's going on. But he's walking on down to him, he says, smote them with blindness. Specific prayer. Not, God, do something here. I don't know what you're going to do, but you've got to do something. No, stop praying for God to do something. And get from God what he wants to do and then pray it. Unless you got the idea. You go in there and you lead them over to Samaria. All right? In order for that to happen, they can't see that it's me. So you blind them. God blinds them. But you got to maintain that peace. You got to do what the word of God said. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God. Which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do those things that He's saying to do. So, first off, maintain. Once you get that in there, the the peace left, you bring it back in. Or you're just maintaining that peace. Endure. Understand that the enemy is going to throw some things at you. Because he's the enemy. That's what enemies do. Enemies throw things at you. That's what makes them an enemy. An enemy is not someone who does nice things for you, that's a friend enemy does nasty things to you. He's trying to take you down, trying to take you out. He's the enemy. He's not good. Now, you can sometimes have a friendly enemy. Lamar and I have been on the sides where we've been a friendly enemy. We played hockey. I, I told you before, they would never let us both be on the same team. Never. If we ever got on the same team, they'd make a fuss. No, you both can't. It's not that I was all that great of a player. It's just, it's just he ran and I ran. No one else liked to run. So their whole idea was, put him on one side, me on the other, I'd chase him or he chase me. And they didn't have to run. That was their whole idea. But no way they put us both on the same team. So we're on opposite teams all the time. So we're battling in the corners and we're doing... He is doing things to stop me from being successful. He's trying to take the the, the puck away from me. He's trying to get in my way so that I can't run down there. He's, he's trying to do... Now, afterwards, we're fine. You know, we're friends and... and all. He was a friendly enemy, but at that time we were enemies. He was trying to score on my goalie, I'm trying to score on his goalie, trying to keep him from scoring on my goalie. These are the things that you did. But your enemy is a permanent enemy. He is always against you. He is always trying to trip you up. He's always trying to take the puck away from you. He's always trying to stop what you are trying to do. Always. Because he is the enemy. You don't have to wonder about it. When you leave here at church, he is going to be working against you. He's going to do it again tomorrow. Not necessarily the enemy, Satan, but one of his cohorts is going to be out there accomplishing what they want to do. You have to endure. Just know it's coming. It's coming. They're going to try and make me think all kinds of things, try and take my peace away. Do not let them do it. Endure. Maintain and endure. These are the things you have to do. After you do that, I put this in two ways. Hear or renew. You've got to either hear what God wants you to do in that situation or renew your mind on what He's already said to do. One of those two things. Either you're going to hear what He wants you to do now or you're going to renew your mind on what He said to do. One or the other. But you got to make sure you're on the same page. What is God saying for me to do? Get that piece. First thing, before you even want to hear, you want to get that peace. Make sure that peace is maintained in your life. Endure the things the enemy is throwing at you. Now hear from God. And then command. This is exactly what we saw Elisha do. Elisha, first off, maintained the peace of God. He endured the things that his servant was saying. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, what is going to happen? He endured the things the enemies was throwing at his way. These people have come to kill you. They're going to kill you. There is no one here to help you. He endured those things. Then he heard what the Lord wanted him to do. And then he made that command. He made that prayer. He made that request. And he went into the battle that way. And that's how we do it. Maintain the peace of God. Maintain it. Endure whatever the enemy throws out your way. Hear or renew yourself on what God has said. And then command or pray. Ask God... To do those things that he has said to do. Now then, stay in faith. Don't go back there and, well, oh, i got to ask God again because I don't think God heard me the first time. There's no reason for that. Stop making the same request to God two, three, four times. How many times did Elisha pray? One time. God, do that. He's walking. He's on his way down. God, do this. He's on his way down. Heads on down. Who are you looking for? <laughs> Who are you looking for? This isn't this is not what you want. I'm gonna take you where you want to be. Because I know where you want to go. Follow me, I'm gonna take you. And things changed. And what was made as a trap to get Elisha fell apart. And the enemy ended up being in one. The traps the enemy lays for you, folks, God can turn them around and make him fall into themselves, just like Wiley coyote. Constantly do it. You can be the roadrunner. Just running right on through all the traps that the enemy sets up. People made that cartoon. They must have been Christians. The peace of God is here to help you. Don't let it go. Again, Hebrews says, do not cast away your confidence. Don't throw it away. It's up to you. You can keep it. You can throw it away. Treat it as valuable. Understand the enemy wants it because it has value in your life. He wants to get it out. There's the peace of God that's there. Don't let people mess it up. Stay with it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The peace of God is your guard. It will guard you. It will stabilize you. And it will help you decide. It will be the umpire. Help you decide between this or that. This direction or that direction. It will help you. Would you all stand up with me? Go over to God. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the peace of God that is in our life. We thank you that we can maintain that peace to remain in our life. The enemy wants to take it out. We want it to stay. We're going to hold fast to the peace of God. We're going to hold fast to the things that you've given us. Things to help us in life. The joy of the Lord, the peace of God. These are things that you gave us to equip us, make us strong. Father, we thank you for it give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed. No one looking around. If you're here today and you say, I've got some situations trying to mess with my peace, trying to knock me off my foundation, raise your hand up. All right. Several. Father God, you see these hands that are up? But you already know what the enemy is trying to do to them. The enemy cannot knock us down if we don't let it. We are an immovable force with the peace of God on the inside of our life. We just can't cast it away. We can't cast it away for the fears and the worries and the anxiety that the enemy is presenting for us to think about. We've got to meditate on the things of your word, the promises of your word, and rest in them. Thank you, Father, for the rest that you give us. We don't get fearful. We don't get worrisome. We make our stand. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. I don't see any we have any praise reports. Do we have any that are just to make their way on on in yet? All right. We got some things to go over this uh our our cover dish. Is anybody not gonna be able to stay for the cover dish today? Uh, okay we got some things we're going to go over. We don't record these things, but they're they're going to be real important for you to do. They're actually going to help out with some of the things we are talking about here this morning on, on some of that. So, um, um, well, get a hold of somebody who's here, I guess, for, for some of that. But we're going to be talking about the things that are coming up in December and the things that uh, we're getting ready for. Now we're looking to, to reach out to some of the, the the lost people that are around us and invite them on out. So we've got a lot of things to go over with you. We're going to be done, though, by 2 2.15 at least, um, and you all can get on back on around and doing what you want to do. We've, we told you some things ahead of time that we're on the schedule today that we need to, to work on and, and go over. We're going to be doing those as, as well today, Schedule for December. We're going to have all that ironed out and fixed up and know what to do, so we want your, um, your input on it. Wednesday night we have no service. People are out getting ready for Thanksgiving and doing things there, so that's all good for the... Um, things you're going to be doing, traveling. Some people are traveling on thir- on Wednesday night to get to places they're going on Thursday, whatever it might be. But uh, we are uh, no service on, on Wednesday night. And I don't believe anything's going on over the weekend, kind of a big weekend with people are either traveling, doing all sorts of stuff. So we will be here Sunday. And Angel Carlos, okay. formerly Angel Garrett, she's going to be here next Sunday. And she's going to be uh, here for worship. So um, that will be going on on uh, the Sunday after this Sunday coming up, Sunday after Thanksgiving. So, she we worked that out with her a couple days, couple of weeks ago. She'll be here for, for that one. She'll be doing the worship service. And then we have one more thing to do on the peace of God before we move on to the next topic of what we can do to make our lives complete. So, we'll be, uh, be on that then. All right. I don't think that we have much else to go. Let's, let's all stand up one more time. Father God, this is Thanksgiving week. We're going to minister to people and be thankful. In every situation that we are, wherever wherever it is that we go, whoever it is that we encounter, we're going to be ministers to them. We're going to bring your light into every situation we go into. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Naz is not here today, so um, uh Ray's back over there. You'll direct us.